Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. On today's episode, I am joined by Justin Mueller, hunting photographer and film producer. And Justin has done all of my films as far as Above the Circle, Synergy, The Long Haul, all the hunting films over on uh, my YouTube page, as well as a lot of photography work and other things over the last few years. So Justin came to Pennsylvania to film the next Mountain Buck Scouting Series that I'll be releasing this year to my YouTube channel. We scouted a brand new area and discussed how this process went. In addition, we discussed the potential for my online course, Mountain Bucks Camp, Colorado Mule Deer Hunting Plans, Justin's Fall Hunting Film Schedule, and just other random campfire talk over a few beers. This podcast is brought to you by Onyx. The Onyx Hunt app is your premier GPS hunting app that turns your phone into a working GPS. I'm using the Onyx Hunt app in the field right now while scouting for mountain bucks in Pennsylvania. I'm marking places that I find and typing in notes to help me for the upcoming fall. I always take a photo of the spot to add to my waypoint so that I can visualize it at a later date. If you want to check out the app for yourself, head over to onyxmaps.com and use the coupon code EMW to save 20%. Tethered is a company founded on the principles of educating the hunting community on saddle hunting while creating the most innovative, lightweight, safe products for saddle hunting. I'm using the Phantom saddle system with a Predator platform for all of my mobile hunts. The recliner accessory is a must-have to make your all-day sits comfortable. To learn more about tethered and saddle hunting, head over to tetherednation.com. Maven is building the highest quality optics at half the price of their competitors through their direct-to-consumer business model. They want to create the best optics for the job, period. Their products are back with a lifetime, no-fault warranty and an incredible customer experience. I'm using the B3 8x30 binoculars on all of my eastern hunts. The small, weight, small lightweight package makes it so I always want to keep it around my neck for shed hunting, turkey hunting, scouting, hunting out of the saddle, and anything in between. You can use the coupon code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order at mavenbuilt.com. And lastly, Spartan Forge. Hunters require an accurate forecast of the best hunting days and the best hunting spots to save time on scouting and actually executing the hunts. The Spartan Forge Outfitter utilizes years of military background and machine learning to pull from millions of data points to accurately predict deer movement that includes, but is not limited to, GPS data, 30 years of weather, academic and state research. They're using science rather than someone's opinion to figure out the movement for your specific hunting area. You can use the code East Meets West to save 25% off of the outfitter at SpartanForge.ai. And before I get into the, the Mountain Buck story of the week, I just wanted to say I appreciate everyone's um, everyone dealing with you know having ads at the beginning of the podcast and and everything there because it it is a way for me to be able to help fund the podcast, fund my time, help my business out, and do all those things with partners that I truly believe in and, and work with. 
And as as anybody that's followed along with me long enough, I'm sure that you know that. But I, I haven't had really anybody complain about it, and that's awesome. That uh, I, I just I really appreciate that. So, anyways, definitely check out any of those partners. And uh, you're one supporting some great companies and also supporting this podcast. So. Mountain Buck Story of Week, or otherwise known as Mountain Buck Monday, over on Instagram and Facebook, comes from Jameson Grady. And the story goes, hey, Bo, I like the podcast. It helps the workday fly with a lot of good info. I thought I would share my 2020 main buck. On November 10th, I found a nice signpost rub while still hunting a piece of woods. The next day, November 11th, I plan to go back and hang a camera on that rub. I got in there about 7 o'clock and didn't really plan on hanging around, but I decided to sit on the ground right there for a while. It was an unseasonably warm day for Maine in November with temps in the 60s. I wasn't very hopeful with those temps, and the first couple hours, nothing showed. Well, about 9.30 a.m., I heard something in the leaves directly behind me and turned around to see a buck making a scrape on the small ridge behind me. Quickly, I could tell it was a shooter buck and quietly got spun around and ready to shoot. After the buck finished pawing the scrape, he came straight down towards me, and when I had a shot, I dropped him right in his tracks. He ended up gross scoring 152 inches. You, yeah, Everyone needs to go over to the East Meets West Hunt Instagram and East Meets West Outdoors Facebook page and check out the this buck. It's uh, just a huge mainframe deer, and especially, you know, not, not saying especially coming from Maine, but like this is a big deer anywhere in the country, but such a such a cool deer. And I just want to say everybody's stories that have been coming in have been awesome. Great stories, good detail, awesome bucks, just everything in general has been awesome. I love doing these Mountain Buck Mondays. So congrats, Jameson, and everyone else. Keep sending them in. I still have a ton to get through that that have been sent in, so I, I really love reading those and sharing them. Next week, I will not have a Mountain Buck story of the week, though. I'm actually going to be go, I'm going to be leaving town for a little bit, taking a little vacation um, for a week, and I'm going to kind of stay off of uh, social media and everything else, and kind of just uh, let myself relax a little bit. So I won't be. I'm still going to have a podcast next week. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to get it done this week and have it upload automatically. But as far as uh, the the pictures and stuff, I'm I'm so I'm just going to skip the week um, for for next week there. But uh, I'll definitely pick up with it again. I was only planning on doing the mountain buck stories through hunting season, and I just got so many of them that I just kept kept it rolling. I don't see it going away anytime soon. So, anyways. We'll uh, jump into the podcast here with Justin Mueller. We're live. Justin, what's going on? What's up, man? Nothing. Just uh, sitting around the fire and enjoying a nice little uh, drink here after our long day in the woods. I know. It was, uh, yeah, we glad to have you back on here, first of all. And it feels awkward. I, we got to get rid of the awkwardness of me saying how you doing because I've been with you all day. I, I really don't. I really don't care how you're doing. Yeah, you know how I'm doing. To be honest, so. But Justin Mueller, welcome back to the show. It's good to good to have you on, talking with the mic on. You've been filming me all day, and now it's time to just lay back and chat. I think we're both spent. 
Yeah, I'm exhausted. That was a that was a lot more hiking today than I expected. Not that it was you know anything crazy, but we we did a fair amount of of elevation gain and loss, and you know, I mean the whole nine. Yeah, it whooped my ass too. It yeah, was, um, it was a it was a lot. We did. I don't know. It depends on what you look at between the watch and the in the phone it was anywhere from nine to 11 miles right. i don't know it went nine to 11 and a half was the <laughs> was the total change in between the two but yeah i told everyone i talked to today that it was 11 oh went with so, the high side <laughs> oh i shouldn't shouldn't <laughs> whoops just made it out there public but we're and we're so tired we're mixing we're drinking a bang energy drink and also i got one of the big truck farms, Dozer Stouts here, and and some Trulies. We're kind of just mixing a whole bunch of things together. Yep. And funny story, I, I've actually never talked about this on the podcast that, and probably no one's going to believe me, but that I can't drink regular beer. I'm not supposed to because mm-hmm. I do from time to time. But uh, I have a gluten allergy and also a dairy allergy. And uh, it's not not good for me. I've kind of stayed away from it for quite a while now. So haven't seen me drinking any bush lattes in quite a while. That's kind of why. But I do, I do, I will go through the pain to have one of those those uh, dozer stouts. I love stout beers. And my buddy Kip Folks started a brewery, Big Truck Farms, and the the beers freaking excellent. So yeah, every once in a while, I'll I'll do that and go through it you know but <laughs> it's worth the pain yeah and and also had some other shitty food we well not shitty food it was really good food great food was, but yeah it was not good for my stomach i had a dozen chicken wings before this <laughs> i was just literally so hungry and the salad didn't look good and there's not much on the menu that i can have um technically for it and um so i'm just really stuffed up a little bit of brain fog so excuse me if i'm stumbling over my words but that's just what it is really yeah part of having a uh, beer and wings i guess yeah, yeah i think that kind of happens for anybody <laughs> that's right the brain fog but uh that's right yeah so I, I i think we we earned it today we got a lot of a lot of filming done yeah yeah we did we uh we started pretty early in the morning too i mean we were breakfast was done we were rolling out of your house at what six thirty? yeah something like that yeah it was so. yeah i think we we were in the woods a good nine hours today i mean we we covered some ground but we're also doing slow and doing some filming going through stuff i mean so trying to do the the purpose of justin coming out here was to film some more of the mountain buck scouting series and the mountain buck scouting series if you're not familiar with it the first five episodes are over on my youtube channel trying to help people understand or be able to help with uh hunting big woods mountain bucks essentially white tails in big timber country some with you know some terrain in it and some different stuff that's not really talked about i mean there's definitely people that are way better hunters of that than me but i just felt like i could hopefully explain it in a way and break it down so it's easy to digest and be able to help that learning curve everybody has their own way of doing things but i'm just sharing a little bit of mine yeah makes sense and i I think just judging from um, what i saw today um, the situations we were in the locations we were at and the things you were talking about and discussing i think it's going to be very informational yeah so the goal for the second part of the series it's going to be another five episodes, but four of them really tie together 
and it's breaking down hunting the early season, hunting the pre-rut, the rut, and late season. And my goal was to find an area on a map that had everything you would want to look for to be able to hunt all of those seasons in one location. Not one tree, but one general area and to be able to find that. And I think we did we did that pretty well today. Yeah, I think so too. It was a, it was a perfect spot. I mean, for hunting, for filming, for everything, it looked pretty dang good. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really cool. Um, it was funny. It's a ways back in there. We were joking about, I said, I need to come out with a video that's called shit public land deer hunters say, and it's like, Oh, I was at least two miles back. And you know, but this spot was literally three (laughs) miles back. I was going to say it was all of that. Yeah. And, uh, it it was, it's almost stupid. Like it's, you know, I, I feel like that a lot of the spots I hunt are difficult to get into and it make, you really have to want to do it. But I mean, this spot, I really don't want to even do it day after day. (laughs) No, I mean the walk in when we did it, it was like, that wasn't bad. But then by the time we actually got there and then you figure that, you know, if you're going to try to hunt that, you know, you're probably going to be out there all day. You're not going to hike that twice in one day. I wouldn't imagine. Ever. No, you're definitely, you know, so all day. it'd be, most of that would be in the dark. And I mean, that's a long walk. Cause it's not, it's not just a, you know, straight shot. It's up and down and over. I mean, it would, it was a good, you know, yeah. It seemed mean, a lot bigger than two miles to get back there. Yeah. The yeah. You have to go down a hill around another one up the other side, cross the creek, up about 1200 foot of elevation it depends on where you're hunting now there's some spots we talked about in the creek bottom there's stuff we talked about halfway up the hill there was stuff we talked about on top and it all depends but there's just no easy way of getting in there but i also wanted to i dropped three cameras in there and i I doubt i'll hunt the area this year i just want to learn a little bit i have a camera set in the bottom i have a camera set partially way up the hill on a bench on a big scrape was pretty close to a buck bed that we found Mm -hmm. and then one that's up really right on the top but um on the edge of a a clear cut up there yep yep the thing i liked about that spot was and i mean the whole point was to try to find an area where you could hunt deer in the same location all season and i mean we kind of that that spot had that i mean it's not like we were just um doing it for the video i mean that location we were at um once we got hiked in there you could very easily hunt deer in there all year long or all season long just you know moving around back and forth yeah no definitely and and that 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 area i mean it was one of the best ones that i've found from a map and it was pretty solid when we got in there too i i would have liked to find a little bit more cover um in some of those places which there was like some mountain laurel or something on those side hills but it's so far back it's got such different terrain levels and stuff. I don't know if that's as big of a deal as I originally thought. And there's still a lot of browse. Like, it's not like they don't have food that's that thick underbrush. And the top had, you know, a big clear cut about three or four years old. There were some newer cuts that weren't even on the map that we found that were in the, in the general area on one of the hillsides. So, like, there's definitely food. And I think the access will, those deer, I don't know. I, I, it's going to be a learning lesson for myself a little bit too. So yep, for sure, um, for sure. But it was, it was cool. Cause like, I, I don't, I don't hunt a ton. Like I hunt the early season, but I, I don't spend like a week straight hunting it. But 
what one of my goals with this is like to find like, all right, say you're doing an out of state trip and there's people that, you know, you can't go a certain time or you want to hunt this date then, but maybe you only have time to hunt early season in your area or the pre-rut or the rut or the late season and be able to try to help identify the, the problems with any of those different seasons and what are some of the benefits from hunting those seasons and really go from there. And I had, most of the time when I'm scouting, I'm focusing on the pre-rut and the rut because that's when I have the most time to be able to hunt. But changing my mindset and kind of focusing on those other seasons was was pretty cool. And I, I think there's a lot of opportunity there from what we found. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially up by that um, that clear cut. Yeah. Uh, I like that spot a lot just because it was, it was thicker than shit in there, but there was ways to also get around there too. We kind of ventured in, yeah. um, found that little island of trees that looked pretty good in there, you know, but it was thick enough where the deer are comfortable being in there, but it wasn't too thick that they won't be there. And there's nice hard edges along the whole thing. It just looked like a nice spot. You know, that was the first time I found a clear cut like that, that they left about a uh, 200 yard long by 100 yard wide strip of full on oak trees right in the center of it. Yep. Big mature trees. And it almost reminded me of like when people talk about hunting swamps and the little bit of swamp hunting that I'd, I've done in Ohio was like the islands. Like when you think of the oak islands and yep. stuff and out it, like that kind of reminded me a little bit of that. Yeah. It was definitely interesting. I'd, I wonder why they did that. Yeah. It, it was. And going through that cut sucked. Yeah. It'd be hard to hunt that. Yeah. Um, hunting on the interior of it yeah. isn't what what my first choice would be. And we found enough deer sign around the outside of it and on some of those finger ridges that I think that that would be, would be better. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was a good drive away from, from my house, you know, it was, you know, we were a good hour and a half away. So right. it was, uh, it was difficult, uh, to access from that standpoint no towns anywhere near it and um yeah we were out there <laughs> yeah we were, we were out there so I thought you were bringing me out there to murder me or something I, just kept driving and driving and yeah you know, but no it was, it was a good spot yeah no and i always go back and forth in my head like all right why am i driving all this distance when you can really find deer anywhere but i guess that's why there's people like us that i mean you know you do you go on hunts you go on filming trips you do these things and you're like what what am i doing but it's the adventure of it <laughs> that's, that's right. kind of fun at the same time in the unknown oh yeah that sure. that comes along with it what so one of the things that was was cool so like let's let's kind of like even break down some of the things we found like in the early season and, and everything. And I was kind of planning on doing a podcast more when I was going to release this stuff, but figured while we're on the topic, we'll just talk about it all now. But the, in the early season, you know, a lot of the things focusing on with, uh, um, any f sort of mass crops and, and food in general and found a spot that had, you know, really good bottom with some big apple trees in it, which can be hit or miss on whether those would be that. Found some places that were like newer select cuts um, that had some briars that were growing up, said so good brows, plus oak trees in the middle with acorns littered all over the ground. Yeah. I mean, so, some really solid places that you could focus on during that, that early season. And, and then bedding that was... Um, more predictable than some of the other areas I've found because bedding, anybody that's hunted the big woods, bedding can seem kind of crazy at times and how to predict it is not easy. And 
if you say you have it figured out all the time, you're just lying to yourself. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you even made a comment um, just to swing back to like that early season. Yeah, um, we were hiking up. I, I don't remember if we were there first or second on that that slope of that hill. Um, but you made a comment. You were like, "Man, look at all the acorns in here," and you were like, "I don't even know." you know, how we would go about this because there was so much food, but that's just a matter of now scouting for your early season. We established that that right there was the food um, for that location, right? And then now it's just a matter of getting cameras in, keep scouting, find how the deer are hitting that in the early season. Yeah, yeah. At that point. Exactly, and finding like, and today we didn't didn't find any white oak trees, but I know there's got to be some in the, you know, trying to find those, all right, when you have a giant area full of trees, you know, that are say oak trees that are dropping acorns, that's almost as bad as not having any mass crop, mm-hmm. in my opinion, because it's so difficult to pinpoint it. So then you're looking at other things, the way the train dictates, the way bedding is, and trying to find the more favorable spots within that, you know, and and you were pointing out some of those places we were going through, and we were, we were just finding uh, you know, just breaking down an area like that was was pretty was pretty cool. It's fun. It's fun to scout those those newer locations. And there was some some buck bedding that was just as picture perfect as you as you can imagine. You know, it's it's I I used to be one of the people that was like, I don't think you can really ever predict where a buck's going to bed. And I've you know in the last five years focusing more on that. I've, I've found that it can be somewhat predictable. I still, as I said earlier, like even, and I've even said it in the videos, like even though you say you find a buck bed out in this point, um, you know, you may, you might be using it at a maximum of 20% of the time. Right. So you got to put the time into the spots to, to know if they're going to produce, you could get lucky in on the first sip, but I just don't believe in, in the big woods that bouncing around a lot is, is the ticket. Yeah. I, I, because in th- that spot that we were at today, let's just say the rut. I mean, I don't know how many spots you found today that'd be good sits, but there's a ton of them. I mean, yeah. you could spend an entire season in there actively hunting rut spots and never be within 75 yards of where you were, you know, a couple days ago. Yep. You, you could bounce around in there a lot. Um, but like you just said, I don't see necessarily the benefit for that. Obviously, it depends on your hunt. But yeah, and it depends on the season, though. Yeah, like, that, right. That's a little bit different when you would bounce to a different tree or whatever. But I just mean, like, if you go into a spot that looks good when you're scouting and everything, and and which trail cameras help out with this, but your first year, it's a little bit difficult to figure out. But if you have, you know, sometimes if they're using that, you got a big community scrape near cover or a good train feature that's close to it. Hunting that, like, and then say the food source is right up above there, mm-hmm. you might hunt that two days, two evenings, and not even see a single deer, and it doesn't mean it's a bad spot. Oh, yeah. And just the sign alone tells you it's not a bad spot. Yeah, it, you're exactly right. You know, like, they're there. It's just a matter of just patience and waiting for them to, to yeah. come on in, you know? And paying attention to your access and all those other things, and, and there's there's so much that goes into it. But what you were saying, well, you made a really good point, was talking about we found a few areas that could be covered for multiple different seasons, and I love stacking those odds in your favor. So there was a spot, there was actually one tree that you could hunt in early season if that apple tree had apples on it 
for an evening sit, you know, coming into those apples. And then also right in that exact same tree, there was two giant scrapes in that creek bottom with a beaver pond there that all the crossings that came off of four different points crossed right there. Yep. And, and then you also had those scrapes coming down. You had just... There was some signpost rubs coming off the hill to that that creek crossing. Yep. I mean, it had everything, and you could literally sit in that one tree. Yeah, and just outside, well, probably just inside of Bow Range. You can't quite remember, but that beaver pond was, um, and granted, it's spring, but it was flooded enough to really create a little pinch in there yeah. by that apple tree. Yeah, and it, it, but it was so. I think the, I think that beaver pond was so wide that even if it was like a dry year, it would get so mucky and muddy yeah. that they're not going to. Why would you cross there when you can move fifty yards up? Right, and yep. it, I mean, we crossed in our leather boots, and you didn't have gaiters on or nothing. You were fine there, but it'd be. I don't know how deep the beaver pond was, but not fun to cross. <laughs> yeah, no, and and even around the the standing water there, it was so thick in there. There's just, there's just no reason they'd be in there crossing. Yeah, and if they were, you couldn't hunt them anyways. Yeah, so let them let some of them cross there if they want, because yeah. you're not going to get in there anyways. You know. Yeah, and the only way you'll learn exactly is by hunting it, and maybe yeah. they'll do something completely crazy. But you just guess you you really don't know until you, you run cameras, which I I got one camera down at that spot and. Um, yeah, that was that was a really cool area. And one of the other things that that we learned today too was like we were scouting on Onyx online and looking at it, you know, no matter what mapping service you use or anything, you're not going to find it takes a little bit to update that aerial imagery, you know. So there was some new cuts that were like fresh from this past winter that aren't on there already. So like that's where the boots on the ground scouting really helps out identifying that if you can, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. That was a, that was just a cool, well-rounded place. I think it had, you know, everything we had hoped it did or hoped it would. And then some more, you know, we didn't find any sheds, but I felt like if we would have spent some more time and it wasn't so sunny, these are my excuses that <laughs> I think we definitely walked past some shit. Oh yeah. We walked <laughs> by a lot of shit. Well, the thing is too, like with filming and stuff, we're kind of, we're, we weren't on a tight schedule all day, but we kind of were, yeah. we have a lot of stuff we have to get done. And through filming, I'm walking directly behind you. So I'm not really ever, you know, shed hunting or anything, but I think if a guy, you know, went in there, especially some of those benches that we were on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There were sheds in there. We just, you know, yeah, good enough at seeing them. <laughs> that south facing slope, like there was acorns. You could tell they were digging in the probably the beginning of the winter before it all really froze over. But they were digging like crazy. Those spring seeps that had acorns laying in it, like that was probably. I mean, it probably only froze for three weeks out of the winter. You know, where the other places might have froze for a month and a half. And yep. those are the type areas that, you know, you, you focus on them, you might be able to find some sheds. And they're too. green right now too. Yeah. You know, all the, the stuff in there. Well, yeah, just to go back to what you said about um, all the deer in there. I, I even asked you one point, I'm like, are these turkeys doing all this scratching in here? And you were like, no, this is all deer, you know, cause back yeah. home, if I would see that on my parents' farm, it's deer or uh, it's turkeys doing it. Yeah. Um, but just point being, they were, there was plenty of deer in there and they were, they were finding the food they were looking for. Yeah. I was actually surprised. I mean, I, we didn't see any deer, but the deer density must be half decent in there compared to some other areas that have hunted because there was a lot of sign unless those deer are just freaking hungry and they're tearing shit up. I don't know. It, it was uh it was it was definitely pretty cool to 
to be able to get in there, lay eyes on it and do that. And we'll be able to show that entire experience to you through this video series. I don't know when I'm going to release it or how I'm going to release it. I was considering waiting until before those different times in the year, like the early season one, you know, release it like in September and, and, uh, and then like pre-rut release it in October and stuff like that. But I don't know. Sometimes I don't like to wait either. So, yeah. And I mean, the, the information that is being covered, at least in my opinion, is stuff that, um, you could watch the video about that we did today about the rut and watch that this week and apply that already to your scouting when you're out there. You yep. know what I mean? So I think, yeah, however you want to do it is, I think it's, you know, kind of a toss up either way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, we're, we're covering a whole bunch of different points in there. There's going to be the, the videos are basically going to start out with me looking at the web map and identifying places, what we did before we even went in there Mm -hmm. and then confirming our thoughts or, or throwing some of the ones that weren't exactly right out the window. And you, you have to, when you do e-scouting, you have to be confident and check out those places, but you have to be willing to understand that sometimes you're wrong with it. And a lot of times you're wrong and (laughs) just identify what you're seeing with your own eyes and work off of that. And, and don't always just listen to what I would say or what anybody else says. Like, you know, like there's a lot of the times you find buck bedding and a lot of the buck travel towards the upper thirds of the hill, you know, that's been out there for a, a lot, but that's not always the situation. If there's food down low or there's something else happening, they might bed down in the bottom. They might bed a little bit different. You have to put your eyes on it and be open-minded to understanding why they might be doing that and adapt that certain situation. You just can't get in a rut of this is the way it is and that's the only way it is, you know? Oh, yeah. Another thing, too, with just going out and looking at some of that stuff is that it can help you more um, efficiently e-scout because you can look at something on a map and be like, this is it. And then you can get there and be like, this is way too damn steep to even do anything. Well, then now next time you're e-scouting, you see a different place that looks like that. You might, you know, kind of look for something else around it just because, you know, you kind of been there and seen that before. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, I mean, we were filming that, that stuff and some, a whole bunch of other things that probably won't even make the videos, but I'm looking at some different avenues as far as what I can do with that and be able to really help teach the people that want to learn. And this is actually, I mean, I'm kind of opening this up on the, the podcast for you, the listeners to give feedback on, but I'm looking at putting together uh, sort of an, an online course that goes through this stuff a lot deeper than I can cover in a YouTube video. Cause if I put together uh, an hour long YouTube video, no one's going to watch it except for the people that really want to learn about it. And I, and I wouldn't structure it in like an hour long segment, break it into pieces that you can sizably go through, you know, 10, 15 minutes a night and kind of break down through these areas. That's, more valuable, get some other input other than myself and be able to help, um, really, um, I guess up the game when it comes to scouting and, and actually hunting these deer. So I'm, I'm looking at, uh, looking at the option of putting together like a, uh, a paid subscription to a, an online course. It, and again, I'm opening this up to see if there's any interest in that, if it's worth, my time of putting something together like that. Cause it's going to be, it would be a, a giant undertaking and trying to get as much information as possible that it, so it's like, if someone were to, to go through and buy it, they're like, 
I want, I want people to say that I would have paid four times the amount for this, you right. know? Right. And so I'm hoping that that's, um, that's something that would be, um, going forward. And in, in addition to that next year, I, I said I was going to do it this year, but I couldn't because of Pennsylvania's restrictions with COVID was so up in the air and with my regular job and stuff, I couldn't really, um, hold any in-person events. But looking at doing some some bigger camp style events, bringing in some other people to be able to speak and talk and and give everybody's input, and I want people that are do things differently than myself. I want different opinions. I want people to really be able to listen and get value from things. And then my, my idea of it would be to to go in the field and look at some stuff too. Yeah, I think people would would really enjoy that um just using um our example from today obviously you'd have you know wherever you bring people it's kind of irrelevant but it if you brought people to where we all were today um i think you could really you know open people's eyes i guess to um you know it's just it's so different because you you try to find different places to hunt and try to find you know this weather, that weather, this time of year, that time of year, but everything we needed, which we would keep scouting, we kind of found everything we needed to see in one day, you know? So if you kind of taught people like, look, it's more than just one day of scouting because I have all these hours of e-scouting into it and prior knowledge, but I think you could kind of streamline people's learning curve there, you know, actually getting them out and being like, this is what I saw on the map. So, you know, now tomorrow or however you'd structure it, we're going to go there and I'm going to show you why, I think this is a good spot to hunt and then they can apply that to their own scouting. Yeah. And, and yeah, you're exactly right. And I mean, I, I thought I've, I've been to a couple of these different camps and the most recent one was Dan state and Zelk shape camp. And I gained so much knowledge from it. Like that course was so helpful. And, and I, I think that anybody that's serious about it and wants to learn more, and I'm not saying this for like, Oh, you know, if I, if I listen to Bo or he's trying to, to his own horn here. No, it's not, it's not about me. Like I want to bring in, you know, not only myself, but others that are extremely talented in it and get those groups of people together. And then the people that would attend get to meet others that are that serious about wanting to learn and wanting to do more and just creating that community of people that are, that are serious about wanting to not just be successful once, but try to be successful every year Yeah, when it comes to that. And I think, I don't know. I just, the more that I do stuff when it comes to teaching and, and helping and getting feedback, like I just want to do more to be able to, to help people with it. But Mm -hmm. I think that's definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah. I don't know. That's just my thought and have you come film it all and then take everything from the camp. I'm just actually spitballing on the podcast here, but like throw in like with the, everything from that camp, and throw that into a section on the online course so people can go back and watch what we did because, you know, if you pack a lot of information into a weekend, it's hard to retain it all. Oh, yeah. But be able to go back and watch it at your own um, convenience and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, you could even, like, like, let's say I sign up for the course, right? Yep. You could send me, like... I'll just use the example of where we went today just because, you know, so we've been talking about it. You could send me a screenshot on, on X before I even come out here and be like, how would you hunt this? And then you could kind of pick their brains before they even get out here and before you even start. 
and kind of see where guys is you know yeah skill levels at what they're what they're thinking how they would set up and then you know the first night or however you would structure it you know you kind of go over how you thought they should or how you would set up and kind of join forces there and now tomorrow we're going to go out and and see what we've been talking about i like that you know i you know and that would be like i mean i would learn a ton from the way people look at things and and scout and 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 do that and it, it, it would be I, I like that almost like a baseline level see where everybody's at and you know be able to help identify their weaknesses and help with that and then also be able to just i mean like i said the instructors that would be there i'm sure would learn from a lot of the people that yeah. would be there as well so yeah that's and then the following cool. day to actually go out and see the the conversation you were having yeah you know Yep. Yeah, most definitely. So yeah, working on all that stuff and planning it a year out so that everything is kind of in place and it's it's pretty cool. So again, I'm wide open if you think that's a, these things are the dumbest ideas you ever heard. Whatever, <laughs> tell me. I right. mean, I, I it takes a, a ton of my time and and money to put these things together too. So if it's a bad idea, please tell me. <laughs> or if you think it's a, a great idea and you want to see it happen, you know, let me know. I'd I'd love to I'd love to really hear that. Yeah. But. That'd be a a fun project for you to work on and also very rewarding for everybody. Yep. You know. Definitely. So and then um Justin transition a little bit outside of the the whitetail realm you're going to be coming with me again to hopefully as long as i draw the tag which i'm pretty confident that we are uh, you're going to join mason michael and myself on a high country mule deer hunt in colorado yep yeah that's going to be that's going to be a lot of fun first uh what 10 days of september or something like that you said yep yep yeah I'm, i'm excited for that there's nothing better than um i mean elk hunting is great don't get me wrong how can you not love it? Yeah. But if you haven't experienced high country mule deer, um, you know, Colorado specific, just cause the peaks are so high, you know, yeah. there's, you're hunting mule deer up at 12,500 feet and the peaks are at 14 in some places. Um, there's mountain goats up there. There's rock cliffs, rock slides. There's big Alpine basins. You're up there camping. It's, it's a hell of a hunt. And I'm, I'm very excited. It's I, my last one I went on was Nevada last year. Um, right before Alaska actually. Yeah. Um, but that's the only one that I have this year. So I'm, I'm very excited for that hunt. That's going to be a, a fun time with some good dudes and hopefully see some good deer. Yeah. I th- I think it's going to be pretty awesome. Going to make a, a film out of it. Hopefully, yep. um, you've been besides the whitetail hunt, you've been a lucky charm for <laughs> me as far as coming on. <laughs> it generally doesn't happen. Usually yep. it's the other way around. Yeah. Well, let's, <laughs> let's try to keep it right. in the lucky charm direction. Keep but, the streak uh, going. Yeah, I'm, you know, to be able to go along and make a film and do something a little different. Some of the feedback that that I've received with some of the films has been maybe make them a little bit longer, mm-hmm. you know. And I, that's not for everybody. I mean, I, me personally, I like watching. I love watching long films, but it, it's really got to catch my eye for me to spend the time and sit down and watch a long one. But yeah. want to do one in the thirty to forty-five minute range. You know, it's nothing crazy. But more of a documentary style, same Justin talent from the cinematography side and and everything, you know. But I, I want to you know capture more of the what's happening leading up to it and the hunt itself. Yeah, and I think too uh, we haven't decided anything final, but you and I kind of um, both agreed on incorporating some like a GoPro or two 
and having a good mixture of, you know, the best stuff I can get on my camera, but then also having Bo rigged up with a, a GoPro on his chest or his head or Bo or whatever, carrying it around in his pocket, um, just to kind of add that more raw and real, you know, as it's happening footage and kind of try to make that into a pretty cool video. So, yeah. I think that would be a cool mixture of, of that, yeah, that raw style, but also having the, the movie style film aspect to it as well. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely going to be a, a unique project to work on, but I'm sure we'll we'll figure it out just fine. Yeah, I know. I, I kept, I, I you and I went back and forth on this, and I thought about doing some more like the day-by-day hunts that you see everyone doing now on YouTube, because I love watching them. I think they're really cool, but I just have this thing about like the film style that's... Yep. I love seeing that. Like I love seeing films and the high production quality that that you put out and everything. Like I just love that style, and I think that's. I mean, at least for the near future, that's going to be the direction I want to keep going. Right. Well, I appreciate that. And honestly, that's the stuff that um, I would way rather film that than day to day stuff. And there's a place for everything, right? They're very entertaining to watch the day by day vlog style stuff. Yeah, I watch a lot of them. But when it comes to me in the field and I want to be on it, or I'm, when I'm on a project, I want it to be cinematic. Um, I like voiceovers, like field, you know, field interviews, the whole nine. I just, I don't know. I kind of like that cinematic touch to everything that I that I work on. So it's kind of my my forte. Yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. I feel like I'd be wasting your talents if I was just being like, hey, just carry the camera, do it, <laughs> don't do anything special. Well, it'd be here, a lot but... easier for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but it, it, it's going to be a great time. Yeah. That's kind of what we're shooting. 30, 45 minutes could be 25, could be 50. We'll see how the hunt goes. See how many deer we see. You know, it all depends on the footage, that's, but yeah, it's nice to at least go on with a plan. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it'll be a 45 minute film of us just bow hiking. I mean, <laughs> you just never know. <laughs> you don't. You know, I'd like to think that time of year we'll turn up a couple of couple of bachelor groups of bucks and yeah, the Colorado seasons being a little bit later worries me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I mean, I shouldn't say worries me, but it's it is definitely in my head that you know towards the end of the hunt they might even start moving down a little bit to their secondary living based off conversations I have with Brian Barney and some others. Like it's just. It, that Colorado season change has made it difficult for the archery hunters, but Hey, I've never done it. So I won't know anything different and right. we'll, we'll just go and do everything we can turn up bucks. Yeah. Depending on the weather, I'd like to think we'd have a solid week, hopefully five, yeah. six days, but obviously that can all change with pressure and weather and, and everything. So, but if they move down, they move down and we're, we'll go after them. And our know? plan is to be out there for a full two weeks, but really only about nine days of hunting because the way the seasons open up and the way that vacation works, um, well, for most of us is that we have off Labor Day week or Labor Day on Monday there. So like that helps with the vacation and stuff and, and wanting to catch that beginning of the season, we're actually going to go out. I don't know, five days, four days before the season opens, get acclimated to elevation. Michael had the altitude sickness that he's talked about on here before, which was scary. scary. He almost died in the hospital and everything. So we want to be smart about it too and spend some time acclimating, get a couple days of scouting in there, camping up there and scouting without being able to make any moves, but find bucks so that when the opener comes that we're set up for... Yeah. Hopefully for success or at least uh, an opportunity. Right. I mean, in the perfect world, we'd have one teed up and someone's making a stock on them opening morning, right? That's kind of the 
the goal there, but obviously <laughs> we'll see when we get out there. Who knows what it's going to look like? Yeah. Yeah, I know. There's, yeah, but I'm, I, I'm a big believer in visualizing things and think, you know, thinking positively about that stuff and just, if it doesn't go as planned, you just got to adapt and find something else to try and or do or locate more bucks or yeah, whatever it is. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to screw up a lot. I mean, that's just, I'm going to be new to it. You know, I'm going to do everything I can in the preparation side of it to, to try not to, but yeah. you know, you, sometimes it happens. You got to pick your head up and keep moving. Yeah. And it, it's especially tough on those hunts. Cause when you fail, you're a half day into it and you've hiked 10 miles and, or whatever, you know, and you got to within however far the buck you're chasing, you get to watch it run all the way across the base. You know, it's, it's a heartbreaker, but man, is it, <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. I, I take a good mule deer hunt over a decent elk hunt any day of the week is in the high country, especially. Yeah. It's just, that's one of those places that it's more about the place and the, where you're at than anything for me. Yep. You know, yep. that's, I don't know. That's just something that I'm really looking forward to. I like experiencing new things and, and yeah, just like experiencing new things. And most of the time it uh, humbles me pretty quickly. (laughs) I'm sure we'll do. All right. The thing that I like about that hunt too, is it's, I mean, you work your ass off. It's, it's lots of long hikes, sleeping in the tent, the whole nine, but it's also a really good camaraderie hunt just for the sheer fact that basically every morning for at least an hour and a half and this, or you're always glassing always. So you're always kind of sitting around. If, if people are together, you're bullshitting back and forth, hopefully seeing a deer or two here and there. Like, it's just a good, you know, good hunt. And it'll be nice having Mason and Michael out there too. There's never going to be a dull moment on that trip. No, that's, I mean, having the good people around you that are, no matter how difficult it is, we're still busting each other's balls and just like keeping each other high spirited at the same times. If, it it sounds it sounds kind of counterintuitive there, but like <laughs> you know, we're making fun of each other the whole time, putting each other down. And reality is bringing each other up because right. we all we all know it's out of good fun and and you know enjoying each other's company. I mean, that's what people do. So it's all about that's, right. That's there. what guys do. But yeah, no, that's a, that's going to be a heck of a way to kick the season off. Yeah, it is. You know, get out there in September and. Do you have any uh, any other filmed hunts planned that you're like super pumped about, or is it still difficult to know with the draws? And it's difficult to know with the draws. Um, so uh, typically, a season for me, um, I'll book whitetail everything. It's it, like it's reverse, right? Because like you said, the tag situation and stuff. But um, I'll generally book up from October fifteenth to December fifteenth three weeks to a month before I start booking anything Western at all, you know? So you were kind of ahead of, ahead of the game and reaching out and being in contact, which was great, you know, for me, but I still got, you know, I got about a month and then the phones will start ringing for antelope and mule deer and elk hunts and stuff like that. Yeah. But no, I wanted to make sure I had you that, that week. So that's, that's right. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, as long as we didn't screw up the application, I'm pretty sure we should be able to draw, but um, y- you never know. Right. Yeah, even if you should draw until you actually get it, you know? Yeah, you're like, what's your backup plan if you don't draw? I'm like, mm, <laughs> I'm not really sure. Yeah. Right. Figure something out. Yeah. But no, things are looking good this year. I got, um, 
an outfit in Wisconsin that I, I film all their hunts in Buffalo County there in the bluff. So it's, it's not like this, but it kind of is for a Midwest guy. You're hunting the bluff country down there and bigger tracks of timber, obviously not a, you know, national forest or anything. But, yeah. So I, I got their whole season. Um, you know, I'll be out there basically a week on a week off from the middle of October to the middle of December. Um, just some other random whitetail hunts, stuff like that. But yeah, the next, as, as soon as turkey season is done and spring bear is about done, um, that's when I usually start booking hunts pretty good. Yeah. Um, sometime in that time frame. Th- so that, that Wisconsin property you're talking about sounds freaking awesome. Oh dude, it's, it's next level. So the guys are just, um, very knowledgeable on land management, on deer hunting, the bluffs. Um, they're good business guys. They're just well-rounded everything, and man, they are putting together some of the better property that I've ever hunted, ever you know, even been on. So, which is great for me filming out there, because you know I'll be out there for basically a month, you know, like thirty-five days or something like that. I'll be out filming in this fall, so it's cool on properties like that. It kind of all comes full circle to how you know we found today the one spot where you can hunt, you know, the entire year or the entire season. That's how some of their farms are too. They have the north side of the farm is early season because of this. Then they have food plots over here. Then they have good rut spots, you know. So it's kind of all the same as far as that goes. But man, they're they're doing something pretty special over there. So yeah, I mean that that's cool. Like I mean, I always talk about you know hunting the big woods and doing that kind of stuff. But I'm still like fascinated by people that are in the land management and doing that kind of stuff. And you said they were planning. Uh, a bunch of trees and doing other things that help like just improve the property in general you know yeah it's in the good name of deer hunting but in ge- it's just helping everything out the, the habitat and right. the other animal species that are living there and everything else right and the thing is they have to do everything on a higher level just for the sole fact of the deer densities out there um, a lot of their uh, you know like their food plot planning when they design a new farm or design a new food plot Um, obviously they set it up in a way that is um, beneficial for hunting and access and everything. But a lot of their big concern is just tonnage of food because there's so many deer in Buffalo County and that area of Wisconsin, you know, if you put in a half acre food plot, it's not going to make it through summer, you know? So they have a lot of just big tracks of food. Just, I mean, they're, they're just on a whole new level as far as land management goes. And for me, that's, that's stuff I love doing. Love filming it, love being a part of it. So it's it's great for me to be out there and hunting that property and everything. So what are the what are the films that you're doing and stuff for them or the episodes or whatever that is? Like what are they going to be like to the public? Yeah, so they're live right now. Last year's hunts were um, okay. What's the name of the outfit? I guess would be um, a good. It's Homegrown Outfitters. Okay. Um, if you go on YouTube and type in um, "Love the Grind," that's the video. You know, but you can type in Homegrown Outfitters too. I'm sure, but either one of those, if you type that in on YouTube, there's um, a handful of videos. We're actually in the process of releasing them right now. One just released a couple of days ago. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the whole season last year. So got some pretty good hunts, got some very big deer being harvested on and off camera because they, they are an outfitter too. So a handful of their clients either aren't comfortable being on camera, um, you know, so, but yeah, we document and take pictures of everything going on out there. So there's plenty of good content coming down the pipe. Yeah, that's cool. That's 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 a neat mixture. I mean, you have a pretty cool filming um, I guess like throughout the season, you know, start with some of these adventure Western hunts and mm-hmm. then you, you get to do some like managed farm whitetail hunts and, and, you know, coming here and hunting with me and right. 
and big woods and a whole bunch of other different stuff like that's that's pretty sweet to be able to experience all those different styles of hunting and right and break it up throughout the season right and i definitely learn a lot um from everybody you know as far as land managing you know designing food plots designing areas you're going to hunt and then coming out here where you can't do that yeah you got to find places to go and it's just it's a totally different ball game a totally different thing you're doing but it's just it all comes down to hard work and dedication and you know believing in your process of whatever that is you know that, that's really something that i and it's, again it sounds it sounds like complete opposite of what i do and what i talk about but i'd really love to own property someday and manage it and go through that i think that'd be a whole nother like maybe me a little bit later in life sort of deal something that i'd love to love to be able to to do be you know be at that spot where i'm financially able to buy some property doesn't need to be giant but just be able to try to manipulate it and help it for the the deer essentially right and even when you're doing that that by no means guarantees you get a buck every year no you know what i mean so it's still very high level hunting it's just you're and when you buy that property it's not like you're rolling up somewhere and they've done the work for you you're going to design the food plot you're going to be the one planting the tree i mean you're putting all this hard work into it for five years down the road now you'll have a good piece of property to start hunting you know it's it's a long process yeah and i, and I by no means want to sound like anything that that I'm doing from a hunting standpoint is so much harder than anybody else's or public land so much harder, blah, 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 whatever. It's all different. And just the way that like with a lot of those managed land, at least from the outside looking in, if you really look at the work these guys put in, maybe the hunt itself might end up being a little bit easier from that standpoint, but they're putting in all the work up front to make it that way. Right. You know, that's right. I mean, absolutely. You know, it's just splitting it up a little bit differently in how you're preparing and, and, and doing things. So it's, I mean, hunting's hunting. It's just, there's different experiences to be had within, within those places. And, you know, we were talking a lot about like TV shows and stuff today. And like, you know, looking at people like Lee Lakoski that is extremely successful and has a good show. And yeah, he's shooting just giants every single year and on tv it might look like oh that's freaking easy but i've seen enough about lee and heard people that have known him personally like that guy is one of the hardest workers out there and he would be successful probably no matter where he is if he was dedicated to it right right well one thing that i always see that just bothers the living shit out of me is anytime any um anyone that hunts a lot of private land owns property even just has a lot of money they shoot a big deer big elk there's always that one guy that's like, oh, well, if I had 1,500 acres of man, it's like, well, A, you don't, you know, so don't worry about that. And B, even if you did, like these people didn't just buy that property and kill that deer four months later. Like they've been developing this property for 15 years. They've been passing deer. They've been putting tons of money into building it up to a spot that they are, that they love to hunt. So it's like, don't rip on them for that. You might have a $90,000 pickup. That's what you chose to spend your money on. Don't rip on someone who chose to buy a chunk of land and develop it for hunting. Yeah, or you know? they or they worked their whole lives managing a business or running a business or starting a business that eventually got successful enough that they were able to do that. Like you don't know everyone's story. I'm sure there's ones that people got shit handed to them, but whatever. Like, yeah. don't worry about that. Just you know, congratulate them. Or if that's something you're not interested in, move along. Right. Yeah. That's exactly right too. I mean, people just don't understand. It's like, yeah, they, 
they're shooting big deer every year, but it's because of a lifelong of hard work and deciding that that's the route they're going to take. Yeah. You know what I mean? They d- devoted their life to shooting these big deer. So I'm happy they're shooting them because yeah. they deserve it. You know, <laughs> I don't shame anybody for that just as much as I won't shame anybody for shooting the smallest legal buck that they can possibly shoot. I don't care either way. That's I'm right. happy for anyone that's doing it and putting in the work and doing it legally. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. Yeah. So I don't know. That was just, I don't know how we got a little to bit of a point, tangent but, there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Yeah, that's cool. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, as far as I know, this year I don't think I'm doing any filming from the whitetail side of things. Um, who knows? Things could change. But uh, yeah, I think just gonna the the long haul film was something I want to do for quite a while, and just don't have any really ideas at this point on what the next stage of that would be for whitetail hunting. And I don't want to just do it just to do it. Just to do it. So. Well, for you too, I mean, you have your rutcation. Um, I would like to think I stay pretty hidden up there filming, but yeah. that's just not the reality of it. So for you, if there's not like a solid storyline and thing, you're actually just kind of jeopardizing your hunt a little bit, having me there to film you in yeah. a way, you know? Yeah, no, and, and it's not it's not anything about like you specifically or anything. It's just in general filming adds a whole nother aspect and it's difficult the people that are out there self-filming hands off to you i don't oh, want to do, i don't want to do that <laughs> i don't want to do that either that's why i, I don't want to do that doesn't make it that enjoyable to me personally i'd love to be able to share all those things with everybody but honestly it's just i'm also doing it you know i mean i hunt i don't hunt to put out content or be able to do that stuff i hunt for the reasons that i want to hunt and I obviously, I love being able to share that and do that. And I have a business that's surrounded by it. That's a whole nother thing, but I'm I'm not going to do it without some sort of a purpose or that I can see like being really beneficial. Right. And especially for you trying to run a business too, if it's not going to benefit you or even if you can't find any way to make it make sense, that just doesn't make sense. Yeah. We we did one last year. What would be any different doing one this year? Yeah. I mean, it probably, I mean, you know, it would benefit me it, from the right, business. But, it would, but I I don't know. I just haven't found the <laughs> the, the way in, in my head to to justify it at this point. That could change next year. Could right. come up with something else or different storyline for a different story to tell. But right now, it's just I don't know. That's what we came up with for Colorado. That's our storyline and our our ideas. Kind of the documentary. Like that's our thing for the year. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm so. I'm good with that and. And doing, I, I like doing more of these teaching scouting videos and having somebody watch me sitting in a tree. But right, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's actually like, you'd, you'd think it would um, not be fun filming scouting videos and stuff, but it's great. Get to go out, hike the mountains all weekend, go look for deer sign, and find some. Like it's it's a good time. I had yeah. a lot of fun today. I put, on the way out, uh, I was joking with Justin. I said, "Hey, we we're gonna do a whole bunch more tonight." We got back, and I was like, "I'm spent. I go, I can't listen to myself <laughs> talk anymore." To be honest, yeah. I did. <laughs> as much as it sounds like that doesn't make sense, I just it, for everything I do, I'm talking as far as <laughs> on the right. podcast and everything. But I I don't love hearing myself talk, so it's just. Uh, I yeah, know. I understand it. I've been on camera several times just, you know, through what I do and I hate it. I'm awkward on camera. And it's, the thing is, that's weird, man, is I know what goes on editing. If you do something stupid or something like you just, you don't show that because I'm not out here to make you look dumb. Right. So it's like, I shouldn't have any fear of being on camera, but it's just something, something different. I just, it's, it's mentally exhausting being on camera all day. Yeah. That is for sure. 
definitely you know but yeah anyways well justin let's wrap this up the wind's picking up here the fire is probably gonna burn down the right. house so i think um <laughs> it's enjoyable to sit out here by the fire end of a nice day here and just relax and get back to work tomorrow that's right yep we got a. Uh we got a lot done today, so I think tomorrow will just be smooth sailing. We got a list of things we got to do, take some photos, do some video, and they should go by pretty smooth, and that'll be it already. Sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward. To it. Thanks for driving 17 hours out here for the weekend. I'm sure that wasn't your favorite thing to do, but I, I appreciate your dedication. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, just no joke, I mean, I want to hire you for a reason um, because of <laughs> the, the ability that that the product that you put out and be able to help put these things together because it's with, without having someone like yourself here to help me with that, it would be uh, I, I wouldn't be able to do it to be honest. I just I don't have the, the time to be able to to dedicate to it with my job and the podcast and everything right. else. So right. Well that's why those guys like me and or I mean, the talent. So <laughs> I'm sure you could figure it out easy enough. But no, it's not bad. I mean yeah, seventeen hour drive isn't terrible for me. I do that once a month. In the in the hunting season I do it once a week, you know, it seems like but crazy. It's not bad, man. And, and I've been in, it's right now is editing season, um, really full throttle right now. So for me to take a weekend off and come out here and hang out with a good buddy and do some whitetail scouting videos, like that's, I'll, I'm on my way. Awesome. <laughs> so, well, cool. Justin, where can people find, uh, follow along with some of your stuff that you're up to? Um, really, I post all my good pictures on Instagram. Um, haven't posted in like a week, so I don't have anything good sitting on my phone right now. I'm kind of <laughs> running low on content, but no, I, I, I post everything on Instagram. Anything, um, that Bo puts out for video on the whitetail scouting stuff. Um, I'd love for you guys to check that out. Um, feel free to message me on Instagram. I'm generally pretty good at, you know, replying if I'm not out in the mountains or doing something like that. Cause I, I'm all for feedback too. This is my you know, working with you is my first go around at whitetail scouting videos out in here, you know, in the big woods and the big country. So I'd love for anyone listening who checks these videos out, feel free to um, get me on Instagram and give me some feedback, whether it's good or bad. Cause I'm always looking to, uh, to improve, you know, anything for the videos for you guys, the videos for Bo, it's just always hopefully going up. So yeah, definitely. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming out here again and chatting and thanks for everyone for listening and uh we'll see you next week thanks so much for listening to this episode of east meets west hunt with your host bo martonic for more great content and to stay up to date visit eastmeetswesthunt.com facebook at east meets west outdoors and instagram at east meets west hunt if you enjoyed today's episode please review and subscribe and we'll catch you next time